Today is April 30th, 2021, and our first story, warnings about a potential market crash and hyperinflation hit the news cycle as Biden begins selling his $4 trillion spending package. The cost of gasoline, lumber, steel, and household goods are skyrocketing, leaving many people worried. In our next story, it turns out the poll saying 85% of Americans supported Joe Biden's speech was not true. It's actually 85% of his viewers. Snopes debunks the narrative. And in our last story, Jeopardy Gate is in full swing. The left is trying to cancel a man for holding up three fingers that they say looked at the OK hand gesture, but this is more insidious than it sounds. This is the creeping takeover of the woke left. Before we get started, leave us a good review, give us five stars, and if you really like the show, share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Biden has big plans already selling his $4 trillion spending package. But this is many people worried. How are you going to pay for $4 trillion? Don't worry, says Joe Biden. He's going to tax the rich, raising capital gains taxes to unprecedented levels because these rich people aren't paying their fair share. Now, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Recently, a story went viral about the Daily Wire crew saying that the poor actually don't pay their fair share. And you've got the left and the right arguing over who needs to pay more taxes. But I think ultimately it's not as relevant, though we do have at least one billionaire saying Joe Biden raising taxes is going to destroy the market. We're starting to witness hyperinflation. Okay, maybe not hyperinflation. I don't know where you add the word hyper to the word inflation, but how about lumber costs going up 250%? How about all household goods, prices skyrocketing, gasoline skyrocketing, a shortage of computer chips, a shortage of used cars, rental car prices skyrocketing, hotel prices skyrocketing. Prices across the board are going up and we were warned and we warned people about this. Last year, They were spending money like crazy, printing money like crazy, borrowing it like crazy. COVID, they said we needed a relief package. But surely you understand how inflation works. Unfortunately, for the responsible working individuals of this country, many on the left were advocating for insane policies they don't understand. Just deficit spend, they say. But eventually the bill comes due. The problem with the COVID relief packages is that the money was not going to the American people. And what I was saying the whole time was maybe if they want to print six trillion dollars, they just divide it up among all Americans. They did not. They gave a lot to big box stores and big business and corporate bailouts, loan forgiveness. And to make matters worse, the lockdown made sure that small businesses suffered and couldn't operate while Walmart and Target and Amazon raked in billions. And now the net worth of these companies is skyrocketing and the billionaires who run them. And now it is the working class who will suffer. It is the poor who will suffer because the prices will skyrocket. And who's going to pay for all of that borrowed and printed money? That's right. It's you. So now, as Joe Biden steps up saying he's going to spend more, baby, guess who has to foot the bill? You. It's a dirty game they play. Now, Fox Business says Biden's spending spree to unleash inflation 
Big money managers worry. You combine this with a story from Market Watch, quote, this is not going to end well. Billionaire Leon Cooperman says stock market will be lower a year from now. So not only are you going to be paying for the money they printed and gave to corporations, your 401k will fall into the gutter. And you know who won't care? The millionaires and the billionaires. So you can thank politicians of both parties for all of this. But right now, as Democrats control the system, they're the ones who we're going to be criticizing. They're the ones at fault. But don't forget, Donald Trump was president while a lot of this spending was happening. Donald Trump wanted to give everyone $2,000 checks. And maybe that would have made sense because we wanted the relief package to go to the American people, not to corporate bailouts. But it went to corporate bailouts. Let's read this story and maybe read through these stories. I'll show you what's going on. Maybe this can help you figure out what's happening so you can protect yourself. Before we do, head over to TimCast.com, click that big old members only button, sign up, and you will get access to the members area where we have a whole bunch of exclusive members only segments with our guests from the TimCast IRL podcast. Last night, we had Drew Hernandez talking about white farmers suing over a Democrat policy banning white people from loan forgiveness. Hey, how about that? Not only are they spending money they don't have, they're also racist. If you want to watch that segment, go to TimCast.com, become a member, but don't forget to like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And first, the story we're going to read before we get into the really scary stuff about hyperinflation. I got a bunch of stories showing you where the cost of goods are on the rise to a very horrifying degree. People are warning the end of the year is going to be bad. I don't know for sure. I'm not an economist. But first, let's read about Biden's spending spree from Fox Business. They say, big money, big money managers worry Biden's ambitious spending plans could derail the momentum seen in markets and the economy, according to a new Bank of America survey. Risks are now associated with boom, not recession, wrote Michael Hartnett, chief investment strategist at Bank of America, noting that COVID-19 was named a global pandemic on March 11th of last year. U.S. equity markets climbed to record highs in April with the S&P 500 extending its rally off the March 2020 lows to 84%, while the rollout of multiple COVID-19 vaccines has bolstered the reopening of the economy. The economy is expected to have the second quarter gro- to have in the second quarter grown 4.9% quarter over quarter, the fastest since the third quarter of 2020. The pickup in economic activity, which has occurred following an unprecedented amount of fiscal and monetary stimulus, has big money investors worried about the impact of those policies. A net 74% of respondents to Bank of America's Global Fund Manager survey said a bond market taper tantrum, 32%, inflation, 27%, or higher taxes pose the biggest tail risk to markets. The Charlotte, North Carolina-based lender surveyed 117 participants with $553 billion in assets under management between April 6th and the 12th. Biden is currently backing a $2.3 trillion infrastructure bill and is also reportedly working on a $1 trillion package that centers on health care and education. He plans to at least partially pay for the latter two plans by implementing a series of tax hikes. Now, here's what, here's, here's what you need to understand. The economy may be doing well. It may be growing. But what's happening is we did nothing all of last year. People were, were getting money from the government from stimulus. Now the economy is set to restart And people are going to need a lot of money, but we're also in a lot of debt. A lot of money was printed. We're going to see inflation. We are going to see a stagnant market. 
It's interesting that they say over at Fox Business that the economy will do well, but the market, according to one billionaire, will be lower a year from now. Yes, we stopped working last year, so it's no surprise the the economy will show signs of growth. We dropped down massively and are trying to recover back to where we were, or at least to get back on track. So the numbers will look pretty good, but the market will be worse off for it. Market Watch says, that self-described fully invested, invested bear, Leon Cooperman, who told CNBC on Friday that given a coming rise in taxes, inflation, and a reasonably richly appraised market, he has an eye on the exit. Cooperman, the chair of the Omega family office, added that nobody, myself included, knows when this is going to end. We just watch the things that would normally indicate an end. Stocks were weaker Friday on track for a mixed weekly performance despite a hectic week of corporate results that featured blowout results for some of the world's largest tech-related companies. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down more than 200 points, dragging the blue chip gauge lower for the week. The S&P 500 was down 0.7 for the session, while the Nasdaq was down 0.5. Cooperman warned that the pace of market gains since bottoming out in March 2020 following the pandemic-induced bear market plunge can't continue indefinitely. Quote, I think we should recognize we're pulling demand forward and that the longer-term outlook is not particularly favorable. In my view, he said, Cooperman said he expects Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, who has described a recent pickup in the price pressures as transitory, will ultimately be surprised by inflation forcing the central bank to signal action before the end of 2022. Do you know what inflation means for you? Summers says inflation indicators flashing red alarm. Let me break down what inflation means for you. First, starting with this, gas prices are skyrocketing and are expected to rise even higher this summer. From toilet paper to diapers, here's a slew of household staples that are about to get more expensive. Used car prices skyrocket due to global chip shortage. Rental car prices skyrocket as Hawaii sees spike in tourists, some as high as $1,000 per day. Now, of course, that's Hawaii. But let's get more serious. Lumber prices skyrocket nearly 250% from April 29th. Impacts suppliers and buyers. Soaring steel prices eat into company profits, drive up building costs, and possibly what consumers pay. Are you paying attention to what all of this means? Let's say you have $100 saved in the bank. That $100 can buy you 100 widgets, widgets just being a nebulous item of, of you know, consumer need. Inflation hits. Now, you worked hard for that $100, but the widgets now cost two bucks. You can only buy half as many. Money doesn't necessarily mean much. There was a story in the news just in the past week or so where some guy found 50 grand, I'm rounding up, in a, in a, in a, in a safe box in the floorboards of his family home. They hired a treasure hunter to go through the house. Well, apparently like 50 or 60 years ago, his grandfather took this cash, put it in a box, put it in the floorboards. They knew it was there, but not exactly where in the house. So they had someone come and find it. They're all excited. $50,000. Woohoo. You know, it's funny, though. You know what the buying power of that $50,000 was when their grandpa stored it? It's the equivalent of, I think, like it was like a half a million dollars or $400,000 because of inflation. 
Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. You can't save. So all of the hard work you did last year struggling through COVID is now that the value of that labor is being slashed as the price of goods skyrockets. The Hill reports, Summer says inflation indicators flashing red alarm. Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summer said Wednesday that inflation indicators were flashing red alarm, renewing a critique of President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill, which was signed into law last month. Quote, we were providing demand well in excess over the next couple of years of any plausible estimate of the economy's potential to produce. And that meant substantial price increases. The prominent Democratic policy advisor said at a Council on Foreign Relations forum, all the signs are for inflation starting to break out. He said, pointing to recent upticks in the cost of housing, used cars and commodities, as well as labor shortages, businesses reporting price increases and surveys of purchasing managers. Summers qualified his remarks by noting that economists disagree about some fundamental issues and said there was a one in three chance that inflation doesn't take hold in a significant way that leads to bad outcomes. Look, economists don't know what drives this stuff. They're not sure. Let me give you a scary hypothetical. First, not an economist. Throughout the past year, people racked up massive debt. The government said, don't worry, we'll give you a stimulus, some cash. And we'll put a moratorium on uh, evictions and mortgages. Okay. So people were still in debt. The the things they owed their landlords were still racking up. You didn't have to pay your landlord. You couldn't get evicted. But you still owe them that thousand bucks a month or two thousand bucks a month, depending on where you live. At the end of the year, you now owe what? Ten grand? Because all this starts around February or March. So you own maybe you owe maybe eight thousand, ten thousand dollars. You need to pay it back. So you go look for work now that things are starting to open back up. And you tell these guys, look, man, I'm in massive debt from last year. I need to get paid something substantive. They say, I can't afford to pay anything more than 10 bucks an hour. 10 bucks an hour ain't enough. Okay, 15 bucks an hour, fine. I need the workers. We need to get back to work. Some places won't even be reopening. Consider that when it comes to the economy. All the businesses that are permanently destroyed. Now, You're going to have people desperately in need of work, unable to pay their debt, needing more money, and the business then has to pay what they don't have. So they either can't hire the person or they got to pay money they don't have. So they got to jack up all the prices. All of a sudden, everything becomes substantially more expensive. 
Hyperinflation is a real possibility. And that means the money you've saved in U.S. dollars might become worth nothing. Maybe two years ago, you saved money. I'll tell you what's really funny. I saved money. I've saved a lot of money from when I worked for, for Disney. And it's really funny because I just have it sitting in the bank. And that money's becoming worth less every single day. It's incredible how this works. The system is being stressed beyond all recognition. Let me give you two examples of, of what you need to understand. When they say hyperinflation is coming and people who are smart say, I'm not going to sit on these U.S. dollars, what do they do? Well, they start looking for commodities. They start looking for things they can diversify into. Well, the obvious would be like gold and silver. But gold and silver kind of not really skyrocket all that much because there's something easier to get, something you can secure yourself. How about Bitcoin? How about the price of Bitcoin over the past year? In September, or let's do this, in November, on November 9th, one Bitcoin was $15,317.60. Today, one Bitcoin is $56,000, I'm sorry, $56,710.50. Why skyrocket so much? Surely there are people who want to invest in something like Bitcoin because it's the future. But perhaps it's because the smart people, the people with money who didn't want to lose it, recognized you can't just have politicians pumping money into the system and not have a crisis on your hands. The market, some are predicting, will take a hit. It's going to drop dramatically. The 401ks of regular Americans, the retirement accounts will suffer and the rich people will jump into cryptocurrencies because it ain't just Bitcoin. It's also Ethereum. Take a look at the price of Ethereum back on November, November 9th, the same time, $444.44. Today, one Ethereum is $2,767.07. Imagine if you were one of these wealthy individuals who saw the signs and understood the market. Many of them bought massive amounts of Bitcoin. And now the prices are skyrocketing. There's a lot of reasons why the prices are going up. I don't know exactly if, if it's all related to fears of inflation, but I believe it's greatly related to fears of inflation. People are scared about political instability. Joe Biden can barely muster any ratings in his speech. His, his polling is, is down relative to Donald Trump's polling in his first speech. There's very little confidence in the system. And because of the mass spending, now seeing more Biden's $4 trillion spending package, people are scared. Think about it this way. The price of lumber, let me show you the story. The price of lumber is up 250%. Okay. Imagine you had $15 in November and you put that into Bitcoin because you can. And now you have about $57. Okay. The price of lumber wouldn't have impacted you because you would have had something like Bitcoin. I'm not giving you advice or telling you what to buy. I'm just saying, hypothetically, someone who's put all of their money into Bitcoin in November and then takes it all out today will not see a loss of their value and wealth when it comes to buying lumber. The average person not paying attention will. This is where things get interesting. You know who's going to suffer the most? It's going to be the Democratic base, because these are the people who will likely are not paying attention to what's going on in the world or politics. Fox 8 reports, lumber prices are up about 250 percent 
since April 2020, according to the National Association of Home Builders. Quote, we're not getting lumber in a timely manner because of COVID and the mills can't keep up with the orders coming in. I haven't seen anything like this. Hatton said part of the reason for the high lumber prices is that lumber mills don't have enough workers. NAHB said the higher prices are a result of increased demand and restrictions in supply because of a lack of domestic production and lumber mill cutbacks. Hatton said 84 lumber usually honors a quote for 30 days, but because of the volatile prices, they can't honor a quote for that amount of time right now. We'll have people call in Monday and ask for a quote on a list and we'll tell them, hey, you've got seven days and it's going to go up. One sheet of particle board used to cost around $10. The price is now up to about $60. Amazing. You would have need to have put all your money into Bitcoin to be able to maintain your level of worth. Now, people often track net worth in dollars. So when the dollar is worth less, people's net worth stays the same. If you're worth $100,000 and then the dollar becomes worth half as much as it was a year ago, you're still net, your net worth is still $100,000. This means a lot of people aren't paying attention. A lot of regular people who aren't paying attention will see their bank account and they'll say, I'm all right. I got money in the bank. Guess what? Now you can't buy anything with it. Joe Biden's going to be spending $4 trillion. Do you think it's not going to get worse? It's bad enough from last year. Check this one out. From Insider, April 23rd, they say many household goods are getting more expensive as companies like Procter and Gamble and General Mills announce price hikes to combat shortages and rising shipping costs. During its third quarter earnings call this week, Procter and Gamble said it had started raising the prices of some of its goods, including baby care and feminine care products and adult diapers. The exact amount of the price increase will vary by brand and sub-brand in the range of mid to high single digit percentages and will go into effect in mid-September. I hope you're ready for how bad it's going to get in the next few months, man. September? You mean in five months? All right. I'm not a financial advisor, but maybe you should talk to one. I wouldn't consider that financial advice, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to a financial advisor because when these big companies are telling us in five months, we're going to be raising the prices. They are giving you an advanced warning. Inflation is going to hit. The value of your money is going to go down. And that means other things are going to go up. Bitcoin, Ethereum, gold, silver, etc. I don't know exactly how these things will play out. Maybe they won't go up. I'm not a financial expert. Seems likely to me. They say some of Procter & Gamble's primary competitors, including Kimberly Clark, have announced similar price increases. In March, Kimberly Clark said it would increase the prices of top products like Scott toilet paper and Huggies diapers. General Mills chief financial officer Kofi Bruce said during the company's March earnings call that it was planning to increase its prices to offset rising commodity costs as its margins continued to fall. While the company did not specify what products would be affected, General Mills lineup of brands includes Cheerios, Chex, Betty Crocker and Pillsbury products. On Monday, Coca-Cola CEO James Quincy told CNBC that the company was planning to hike its prices for the first time in over three years. Quincy did not specify the products that would be affected. Quincy said Coca-Cola planned to implement the price hikes intelligently, thinking through the way we use package sizes and really optimize the price point for consumers. You know what that means? It means your drinks are about to get smaller. They're going to start selling. You ever see those small cans of soda they sell now? I mean, I'll be honest. Y'all shouldn't be drinking soda anyway. I like drinking water. Somebody made a joke because on the Timcast IRL podcast, I got a bottle of water next to me every night. And they're like, how long has that bottle of water been there? It's like, hey, 
Hydra homies, maybe I just drink water and try to avoid soda, but we do have sodas. You're allowed to have soda. It's not just these goods. Like mentioning lumber going up is serious because it means new homes are going to be really expensive. And if the price of homes start going up, that's more inflation. And I'll tell you what I fear. Oligarchy. This is what we're heading to. And the Democrats are doing everything in their power to make sure it happens. They want the technocrats, the technology, these big tech firms to control everything. I have friends in Ukraine, and I remember looking at the price of rent in Ukraine because I was curious about how their economy worked. I went with a friend, a couple of friends when I was in Ukraine, to a nice restaurant. And the cost of food that we got, like it was like sushi, and it was, it was like a nice, you know, cosmopolitan place, it was moderately expensive for food by American standards. I think, you know, uh, swiping my card, they, 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 it's a, I think it's called hryvna, is probably pronouncing it wrong, but that's the money in Ukraine. And so, or Grivna, however you pronounce it, Hrivna. And so I swipe and it charges me in dollars comparable to a meal for three people in the U.S. And I'm like, how does someone in Ukraine afford this? Well, they don't. My friend said it's a fancy restaurant. They got me wondering. So I looked at prices of, of, of apartments and, and buildings. And what I found was really interesting. The price of property in Ukraine was comparable to prices of property in the U.S. in certain areas. And so I'm thinking to myself, how is somebody who makes only like a thousand bucks a month on average, if that 800 bucks, supposed to buy something like this? They don't. The oligarchs own it all. The wealthy elites own it all. And you have no way of, of bridging that gap. What we're seeing now in the U.S. is scary because it's going to dramatically impact your ability to buy goods. It's going to make it so that you have to work twice as hard for half as much. And it means people like Jeff Bezos and the millionaires and the billionaires are going to be able to buy up everything and there is nothing you can do about it. It means that upward mobility in this country is being destroyed. Federal Reserve says it wants things to cost more for Americans. Here's why that could be good. Wait, 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 wait. Cost more? Wait, wait, what do you mean cost more? Yeah, they want you to have to spend more money. Why? Don't you remember what Michael Bloomberg said in the debate stage? Not the Democratic primary. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. It wasn't a debate stage. It was, a, it was an interview at like 92Y or whatever in New York. I think that's what it's called. And he said effectively that he thought poor people were dumb, that they spend money on stupid things. So you got to tax the poor. Yeah, that was that was that was Bloomberg. Tax the poor, he said, because we know what's best for them. That's why they like it that things are more expensive for you. They're tired of you buying deep dish pizzas. They're tired of you buying triple double bacon burgers. It's bad for you. Americans are overweight. They want to take away your right to choose. Now, I'm not saying they're doing it intentionally. I think because of COVID, they just happened upon this. And I think you don't need to look for conspiracies where exploitation is obvious, right? The conspiracy would imply they've been planning all of this to drive up prices, when in reality, they're just exploiting a crisis to gain power for themselves. If I were to tell you the millionaires and the billionaires were ripping you off, would you be like, I don't believe you, Tim? You know, I really love, I love, for some reason, people defending rich people. It's the weirdest thing. Now, I think people like Michael Bloomberg, I think he's a bad person. I certainly think he's earned his money. Good for him. But I don't like the idea that he can use that money to gain political influence and then take away our right to choose what's best for us, especially our rights to defend ourselves. Same is true for Tom Steyer and George Soros and, you know, other ultra wealthy individuals 
who use their money for political influence and then strip the rights away, uh, strip the rights of other people away. What I don't get is the people who defend the ultra rich. You know, I, I see rich people who advocate for taxing the rich and I'm like, my only problem there is I don't think the government should have the money either, but I don't like the idea these ultra wealthy individuals who think they're smarter than everybody are going to tell us what to do and then buy elections by flooding the zone with, with, with cash for commercials and super PACs and lobbying. And then we're all worse off for it. I don't want Mike Bloomberg to have the ability to get large sodas banned. I think we need to build a culture that takes responsibility for their actions. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. ABC7 says, on Wednesday, the Federal Reserve will meet for what could be the last time before the central bank decides how and when it will start rolling back policies it adopted to combat the effects of the pandemic. At a meeting last week, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said the government would like to see inflation stay above average for some time. For many Americans, that might sound like an ominous proposal, as it would mean things like groceries, restaurant bills, leisure activities would all cost more. But Robert Scott, a senior economist with the Economic Policy Institute, says higher inflation is actually a good thing. A tight labor market and a rapidly growing economy. If we can get there, it's going to sustain higher levels of wage increase. <laughs> yes, but if everything goes up because of hyperinflation, You'll need your wages to go up to, to stay even. So you might be paying more, 2 to 3% a year for more of your food and groceries and rent, but your wages might be rising at 3 or 4 or 5%. That's good news. If wages are rising more than prices, you're going to see a rising standard of living. You want to know who this benefits? Not you. I'll tell you what benefits. The people who have loans. Okay, so maybe that's you. Maybe you have a loan on a car. Maybe you took out $15,000 to get a new vehicle because you needed it. Well, this is where hyperinflation is going to be fun. You're going to see the cost of goods skyrocketing. So you're going to need a large raise. They're going to start paying you more and more and more and more money. But you still owe the bank 15 grand. So if your wage doubles and you can still only buy the same amount of milk, bread and eggs, it effectively cuts the cost of your loan in half. So guess who that really benefits? The ultra wealthy who hold large liabilities, and now because of hyperinflation, owe substantially less. And I guess in the long run, really good for America as a country, because it means we ain't got to pay back the people holding debt across the, around the world. There are some benefits to it. It's probably one of the reasons why they want it to happen. But in the end, it means your savings will also be decimated. So I don't know what you should do. I'm not a financial advisor or an expert. 
I know that I'm trying to invest in myself as much as possible and into things. I bought a lot of guns. You know why? Well, guns and bullets, they're going to keep going up in value. And there are other hard goods you can buy that will go up in value. Don't take my advice. Figure it out for yourself. Talk to a financial advisor. I guess the only problem is that the average person doesn't have the ability to do that. I mean, do you have enough money in the bank to go to a financial advisor and have them take you seriously? I think the average American probably doesn't. I think the average person watching my show probably has some to a, to a certain degree because, you know, not everyone's completely broke, though COVID did really, really hurt people. I don't think Biden cares. I, I really don't. I think they like the idea of hyperinflation. Biden begins selling his $4 trillion spending plans. I hope you're paying attention. The Democrat voters aren't. Maybe that's also uh, exploitation of the crisis. If a bunch of Democratic voters are now hurting and broke, their worldview will be that they're in trouble and the government needs UBI or socialism or communism. And then those of us who have paid attention and, you know, hedged our bets, we're still not going to want any of that stuff. But then you're going to have a very large voting block saying, look at all the homelessness and the cost of food. We got to do something. My favorite thing about all of this is how I have these lefties tell me I'm wrong when I explain basic inflation. And I'm like, I'm just reading the news, bro. It's, 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 it's the Fed. It's, 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 the, it's mainstream media. They're telling us what's going to happen. But you weren't paying attention. You just sit back and say, everybody should get more money. Okay. Well, I've been paying attention. I'm fortunate enough to have bought some crypto. And it's kind of scary, really. I didn't buy that much. I'm not one of these people who dumped all of their money into Bitcoin in November and now is sitting pretty. No, I, I, I take the hit same as everybody else. Sure, it looks good when you see the dollar sitting in the bank account. But what happens when people just keep needing more and more and more because inflation, it hurts everyone. No wonder Elon Musk, I think, I think Musk did this, transferred a bunch of Bitcoin out from uh, uh, a bunch of Tesla's balance sheet into Bitcoin. I don't know if Bitcoin's the right move, but people are certainly buying it up like crazy. When the money just sits in your bank, it loses value. You could work hard and break your back for 100 bucks. And if you don't spend it in a year, it'll be worth 50 bucks, the equivalent. It'll still say 100, but now you can buy half as many things. So you better pay attention to this stuff because I don't think they care about you or me and things can get scary. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. It was an explosive and viral trend on Twitter. 85% of Americans approve of Joe Biden's speech. Every prominent leftist was hooting and hollering. They were saying, we owned you Republicans. This proves we're right. This country is on the right track. And Joe Biden may be the most consequential president since FDR. Please clap. You needed to say please clap because the reality was it wasn't true. I showed the CNN poll that actually said of those who viewed Joe Biden's speech very positively. It was 51%. And Donald Trump scored 57% in his first speech. So when you're actually looking at real polls among Americans and not viewers, surprise, surprise, Trump actually did better. We got a bunch of more information now coming in because as CBS News reported, 85% of viewers approve of Biden's address to Congress. CBS News polling says, well, you clicked on the video, so clearly you know what's going to come next. Snopes. Snopes. Everybody loves Snopes. 
They're like the worst fact-checking organization like ever. That's why it's really funny when they fact-check something and get it right. You're like, wow, if Snopes is saying it's false and we've actually looked at like, it's really false because Snopes does this thing where they try to make things seem like they're not false or true, depending on like which Democrat actually said it or whether it's good or bad for the Democrat. So they do things like, you know, you can watch a video of Donald Trump pull off a perfect double backflip. And you're just like, how did this 70 some year old man just nail a double backflip? And then sure enough, when it trends, Donald Trump scores 10 in the Olympics. You go on a Snopes and it's like, did Trump land a perfect backflip? False. While his backflip did score very well, perfect is an opinion. And we can't say that's true. And then you're like, oh, come on. Or my favorite is when they add things like, did Donald Trump do a perfect double backflip? on Sunday? False. And then when you scroll down, it's like, well, Trump did perform a perfect double backflip. It was actually on Saturday. That's how they do it. Well, here's what we got now from Snopes. Did 85% of Americans approve of Biden's speech? The viewing audience for Biden's first speech before a joint session of Congress was not representative of Americans as a whole. Ah, you know what I love about this? First, big old false. 85% of Americans approved of Joe Biden's first speech before a joint session of Congress. Not true. There's an article. I think it's a who, who wrote it. Was it uh, was it Salon who wrote this? I don't know. Some leftist magazine. They were like, even though the audience was 54 percent Democrat, we can still see 80, 85 percent approved of it. You got to slow down there, buddy. The country isn't 54 percent Democrat. That's the issue. So an overwhelming majority or I should say a disproportionate amount of people relative to the American people were watching this. So, of course, they approved of Joe Biden. They're Democrats now. It's fair to say Republicans didn't want to watch this anyway. But you know, what I love the most. How do you think CNN frames this? Do you think CNN is like, well, you know, uh, Joe Biden. Let me show you something. Joe Biden's ratings in the gutter. Biden's address to Congress snares 26.9 million viewers weighed down from Trump as ABC tops broadcast and cable update. What I find really funny is the reason why nobody's watching Joe Biden is not because of people not watching TV, because he could have gotten views anywhere. But I guess they're talking specifically about cable ratings. Okay, to a certain degree, I would say, yes, Joe Biden's losing ratings because people don't like watching TV. Sure. However, a lot of people did watch live and gave him a thumbs down. CNN, of course, wants to make sure they frame this as in in, in the most defensive way possible. Oh, Brian, Brian Stelter. Biden's first address to Congress wasn't immune to TV's TV ratings erosion. Oh, is that it? Is, is that it? Is that why it was 54 percent Democrat disproportionately Democrat because uh, people aren't watching TV? OK, to be fair, yes, to a certain degree. But come on, just admit it. Joe Biden flopped and he flopped hard. Snopes says the origin. Rob Reiner. Oh, of all of all the misleading posts, he say on April 29, 2021, the day after U.S. President Joe Biden delivered his first speech to a joint session of Congress, a message started to circulate in social media claiming that 85 percent of Americans had approved of the president's remarks. Just think about this for two seconds. I, I tweeted this. Many others did of the viewers, not of Americans. And of course, it's mostly Democrats who are watching. If you really were winning the ideological battle, would you need to lie to people to claim that you have the support you do? Would you need to lie to claim people don't like Donald Trump? I don't think so. I think you'd just be like, 
Donald Trump got more votes than any sitting president in the history of the United States. Yeah, but Joe Biden got more. Why? Not because he's popular, because people hated Trump. You know what? You can't build a government off of not liking someone. You need to build an administration based off of who you think has the best ideas. But Joe Biden, I said this, I said, just admit it. Joe Biden is not some grand, powerful figure. He's your silver medal. And everyone said, whoa, 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 silver medal. Tim, Joe Biden's a participation trophy. No, uh, participation trophy implies you lose. But I get the point. Uh, all right, let's say uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden is like their bronze medal. They still made the podium, I guess. But it's not who they actually wanted. Snope says, we don't know what percentage of Americans approved of Biden's speech yet, but it likely wasn't 85%. The stat comes from a report by CBS News who reported that 85% of viewers, not Americans, approved of the speech. As the audience for Biden's speech last night likely skewed to the left, this statistic does not represent all Americans. Rob Reiner said 85% of Americans approved of what President Biden had to say in his address to the nation. It's time for Republicans in Congress who stand for nothing to get out of the way and let the majority rule. Y'all ain't the majority. How many people actually watched 26.9 26.9 million? Okay, so that's what, like 30, 30% of the people who actually voted for Biden and like 15% of the voting of, of the voting body? That's it? Yeah, that's nothing. 26.9 million people watched, 85% approved. It's a lot of moderates. Check it out. They say 54% were Democrats, 25 were independents, and 18 Republicans. Of those, 85% approved of that speech, which is interesting. It's, you know, that means a lot of moderates did approve of Joe Biden's speech. And I I think that's fine and reasonable. But you can see 54 percent. Yeah, well, that 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 boosts the numbers up quite a bit. They say CBS news director and elections of uh, of surveys, Anthony Salvanto, specifically mentioned that the audience last night was made up of mostly Democrats when he talked about the stat. They say on CBSN, we have something we have some new polling. What we did was we talked to a representative sample of the audience nationwide who watched the speech and they liked what they heard. We got 80, we we got 85% approving of the speech. Now I've got to add right off the bat here that that as is typical with presidential speeches, a lot of his own partisan made up the bulk of the audience. So this audience was majority Democrats watching it. And for context, back when President Trump was giving speeches, a lot of Republicans watched those. So you've got to know that behind these numbers, that that's, you got to know what that behind these numbers But that said, the audience said they liked what they heard. For comparison's sake, CBS News found that 76% of people who watched Trump's speech before a joint session approved the message. And I have to imagine, Republicans aren't watching TV. Republicans are probably getting their news online. That's why when you go on YouTube and look at all of the digital viewership, thumbs down across the board for Joe Biden, because ain't nobody like what he got to say. Now, I'm not here to show you, oh, Twitter erased it. Okay, never mind. I'm not here to show you the tweets that I have on my timeline, which I find uh, kind of funny, but there was in the uh, what's happening section, it auto updates, but we had this. Poll found that 85% of viewers approved of uh, joint session address was based on largely Democratic audience, according to CBS News and Snopes. That's right. Even Twitter is coming out now and saying it. Y'all are pushing fake news. It's really weird though. You know why? They've been pushing fake news. For the longest time, Twitter supported them in their push for fake news. Is Twitter just like anti-establishment? Trump's president, so they're going to push all the fake news about Trump? 
Now Biden's president. So now they're actually going to correct the record. I don't know why, why they would do that. Kind of makes no sense. But here's what they say. The survey was based on 943 interviews of adults who tuned in and drawn down from an earlier national YouGov survey of more than 10,000 people. Presidential speech audiences have become increasingly partisan. Sure, they barely interviewed anybody. 85% of 943 people. I get it. They have, you know, uh, the polls aren't just random. They do sample sizes and all that stuff. Fine. I don't think it really gets to the core, but sure, Democrats like Joe Biden, unsurprising. Here's where it gets really important. The 85% number is completely meaningless when you realize Joe Biden could barely muster up any viewers at all from deadline. They say we have more numbers on the viewership for Joe Biden's address to a joint session of Congress. An estimated 26.9 million people watched the president's address across 16 broadcast and cable networks, according to Nielsen. That's a steep drop from the 47.7 million who watched Trump's first speech to a joint session on February 28th, 2017. Nielsen reported the bulk of Biden's audience, 18.5 million, were 55 and older. (laughs) Yikes, bro. Let, 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 Let me guess. You sitting there watching this show, you're between the ages of 25 and 34, and your name is John. I wonder how many people just were like, hey, that's me. Let's do it broader. You're 18 to 54 and your name is Bill. A lot of Bills probably in that age. It's a big age. It's a key demo. Most of the people who watch me are not over 55. For those that are, hey, you guys are killing it. Thanks for thanks for hanging out. But what you see here with Deadline is that the bulk of the people who watched, who are watching TV, I suppose, man, it's it's the older crowd. And that's probably, these are probably people who voted for Joe Biden. I wonder what the younger Gen Z people are thinking, because if they're mostly over 55 and mostly Democrat, I wonder what that means for the younger generation and who they're going to vote for in the future. They say starting at around 9, 9, 10 p.m., just over one hour speech aired live on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, Telemundo, Univision, PBS, CNBC, CNBC, CNN, CNN, E, Fox Business, Fox News, MSNBC, Newsmax, News Nation, and Newsy. I almost got through that. Now, earlier, I guess they mentioned... uh, let me read a little bit more. They say Joe Biden's first address to a joint session drew 22.6. So this is the updated number. We now know it's 26.9 million viewers down. Bad. Do I care that a that 15 percent of the voting Americans watched Joe Biden and of that 15 percent, like 12 percent approved of what he said, 12 percent liked what he had to say? Let me just tell you something of the entire voting body the overwhelming majority who did not watch Joe Biden speak, they can't have approved of what he said because they did not watch him. It's that simple. Well, of course, CNN's going to attribute this to it. Just it's it's TV ratings erosion. It, it, don't blame Joe Biden. It's, it's not Joe Biden's fault. Stelter writes, the television ratings for President Joe Biden's first address to a joint session were far weaker than the equivalent events by past presidents. But the decline probably has more to do with the state of television and the state of the presidency. Nielsen estimated that 26.9 million people, this we know, they say former President Donald Trump's equivalent address to Congress averaged 48 million viewers and his State of the Union address last year, shortly before the pandemic, averaged 37 million viewers. A year ago, Donald Trump had 37 million. I don't think that massive drop off makes sense for just TV. This is Joe Biden's first address to a joint session of Congress. For Trump, it was his fourth. So people are probably like, yeah, whatever, I get it. Been there, done that. 
I'd imagine you'd at least see a miniature boost of some sort because people want to know what Biden has to say, unless they don't want to know what Biden has to say. And there you go. Stelter says the pandemic accelerated what has already been evident for years, gradual erosion in live TV audience in the US. Simply put, as more people spend more time watching on demand programming, the public is less inclined to watch live events. Sagging ratings for award shows like the Emmys and the Oscars have underscored this trend. Additionally, Nielsen's live TV estimates don't account for all the ways an event like a presidential address is delivered across all internet, not to mention radio and other formats. So the use of a single TV rating, okay, just stop, just just stop. It's irrelevant. The same thing you're saying now was true for Donald Trump. When Trump gave his speech in 2020 and got 37 million, people were watching online and radio and other platforms as well. That's no excuse for Joe Biden doing bad. Sorry. He goes on to say, the performance of Wednesday's address on live TV may have taken as a reflection of Biden's deliberately low-key presidency, a sharp break from the drama and deceit of the Trump years. I love how they're already framing things. Looking further back in time, when internet viewership was not a major factor, about 52 million people tuned in for Barack Obama. I will point out that there is truth here, okay? It's just the framing is what I don't like. Go check the roster for MTV. MTV, when did it launch? In the 80s? And they played a lot of music videos. It was fun. You could turn it on and they'd be playing a music video. And you'd, it, was, it was like listening to the radio, but music videos, I guess. That's why it was called music television. And then they started to realize that the younger generation could get music more on demand. We entered the internet era. And so they started doing more reality TV programming and shows, you know, like what, what was it? Real world and things like that. Turn on MTV now. What is it? Literally nothing but ridiculousness. That's it. I... I that's insane. I bet they film like five episodes of ridiculousness per day. And then they just like, because how are you going to fill up 90% of, of your roster with just one show? They must film like crazy. The point is, I know, maybe you'll like ridiculousness, whatever. Rob Beardex, cool dude. Pro skater, big fan. But the issue is that nobody needs to watch TV anymore. Nobody needs to watch live TV when you got everything on demand. So what's going to happen? Well, do you want to watch random stuff? That's how it used to be. Now, people just got to turn on MTV because it's the ridiculousness channel. May as well just be on-demand ridiculousness. So that's true. Ratings are going to go down because nobody needs to watch this stuff. And I do think the internet is contributing to a de-cohesion of sorts in American culture. Now, this is really good news for all of us, though. The less people watch, you know, duplicitous people like Brian Stelter, the more they'll get a wide variety of views. At the same time, they'll believe completely different things and won't be able to unite. So there is a challenge there. I don't know how you unite the masses around one culture or one idea. It's very difficult, but you definitely need that to maintain a, a working country. For the time being, I mean, my, my rate, I think, you know, uh, I, I ended up doing average during uh, Joe Biden's speech. The, the live viewership went down for us on the on Tim Guest IRL show for two reasons. Biden was speaking live and because Stephen Crowder was also live at the same time. And that, you know, but after the show ended, our viewership maintained its average because people can come back and watch the podcast whenever. And they did. That, that, it, so it should it should be that we, we should see Joe Biden doing better than Donald Trump if he's really that popular, right? Well, apparently he's not. But this brings me to my final story. Will Donald Trump be president once more. The Daily Mail says Trump says he is 100% thinking of running in 2024 and could tap DeSantis as his running mate. But what if the Florida governor fancies his own run? 
I think people got mad at me when I said this. I'd rather have Ron DeSantis than Donald Trump. Although I don't know enough about DeSantis yet. Let me just tell you, Donald Trump didn't do anything about social media censorship. DeSantis did. So that that plays a huge role in things. And I think DeSantis is much more of a palatable politician than Donald Trump is for a lot of people. So long as DeSantis proves he's a fighter, and I think he is, and he represents the values of the Trump base and conservatives, which he does, I think he has a good chance and I would prefer him. Although I'm not 100% because I'd have to look at his policies and I'm not a big fan of the Republican Party, so we'll see. But I understand people really, really love Donald Trump. The Daily Mail says, Donald Trump said Thursday that he's thinking about running, maybe Ron DeSantis. Quote, are you thinking about running again, running again Mr. President? Maria uh, Bartiromo asked Trump. Yes, 100%. And the polls show that everybody wants me to do it. He added, 100% I'm thinking about running and we will, I think, be very successful. When asked if Trump would consider running with DeSantis, he gave a glowing assessment of the Republican governor of Florida. Well, he's a friend of mine. I endorsed Ron. And after I endorsed him, he took off as a rocket ship. He's done a great job as governor. And that's true. He has. He absolutely has. A lot of the people like that, you know, I'm just saying what I read and what you read. They love that ticket. But certainly Ron would be considered. He's a great guy. The former president said. I also point out there was a poll they did that kind of went viral. And they said without Donald Trump, who's number one, I'm pretty sure DeSantis was number one. But interestingly, Candace Owens was number five. Could you imagine how hilarious it would be if the first female president and the first uh, black female president was Candace Owens? That'd be hilarious. Well, Kamala Harris gets the role of vice president, but I don't think Candace Owens will be elected president. He says they're going to say picking DeSantis as his running mate could be a tactical move to get a potential challenger out of the way. As rumors swirl, the governor is considering considering launching a bid himself for the White House. Let me just tell you, people, if Donald Trump runs, Donald Trump wins the primary. OK, now the, the presidency itself, I don't know, because you will see the I mean, if you thought it was bad when they're trying to get like, get him out of office, imagine what's going to happen now when it's like he's coming back. They're going to be like banging their heads on walls. If Trump is in the primary and Ron DeSantis enters the primary, Trump will win that period. I think so. If that happens, DeSantis then joins Trump on the ticket. That's my opinion. We'll see, though. I mean, Trump's kind of an old dude. They're going to say he also said Wednesday. I'm sorry, Trump, a Wednesday Wednesday report revealed, is preparing to restart his MAGA rallies. He also said Wednesday in a podcast interview that he will announce if he is running for president again after the 2022 midterms. CNN reported Wednesday that Trump had initiated discussions with his advisors about restarting the rallies on behalf of Republican candidates he's endorsed. The massive events could resume as early as May, despite the prevailing threat of COVID. During a podcast tapping taping on the Dan Bongino show, Trump said the appropriate time to announce a third presidential run would be after next year's midterm election, as he also slammed a potential GOP primary rival, Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, calling him a total loser. So I'm giving it very serious consideration, Trump said of another presidential run. He said the polls in his favor were very positive. Nobody's seen anything more positive. Nobody's seen anything ever more positive. Okay, yeah, we love Trump for that reason, right? An NBC News poll this week showed Trump's grip on the Republican Party loosening and his favorables dipping down, receiving good marks from 32% of American adults. Quote, if you do it, I think probably the most appropriate time would be right after the 22 election. That's my opinion. Could do it sooner, but I think right after the election would be good, especially if you have a good election. As he asked Trump about running again, Bongino had floated Trump picking a vice president early, but Trump seemingly ignored that piece of the question. Well, I believe YouTube took down the interview with with Bongino. And I will say 
whether or not Trump's grip is loosening. Ron DeSantis is a politician for better or for worse. There are a lot of things Trump didn't understand about being in office. He was a businessman. And we and many people predicted this. That what happens is these business people get into office thinking that now that you're in charge, you can snap your fingers like running a company at your company. When you're the boss, you can back. You're fired. You're fired. You're hired in government. You're like, you're fired as soon as I get approval to fire you from the other bureaucratic department. It's not so easy. You're hired. Now I just go get confirmed by a Democrat run House and or a Democrat run Senate and see how see how that works. Granted, the Republicans had the Senate. So but the point I'm making is that it's not that easy to just hire people. So we'll see how things play out. I don't think Joe Biden is nearly as popular as they're trying to pretend he is. And that's why they're pretending he is because he's flopping. That means the Democrats are in serious trouble. Joe Biden is their silver medal. And what I mean by that is it's not who they wanted, but they were willing to accept. I guess a silver medal is pretty good, but, you know, not a participation trophy because they won. But come 2024, Biden's just their placeholder. Kamala Harris ain't going to pull it off. I don't think they have any real Democrat talent. That's why I think DeSantis needs to be the Republican nominee, at least right now. If it's Donald Trump, the left will scream, rip out their hair and bang their head on the wall. If it's Ron DeSantis, most people will not care. And DeSantis is pretty good. We'll see how it plays out. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. How many of you are still in denial that we are in a cold civil war, a fourth and fifth generational conflict for the soul of the nation and the future of this world. You still want to deny it? Okay, let me give you the stupidest and silliest story you've probably ever heard and then break down for you the insidious nature and how the, uh, of the woke left and how this relates to the cold civil war. From The Hollywood Reporter, Jeopardy slammed for winner's alleged white power hand gesture. That's right. I briefly covered this story the other day. A man who had won around a, a, a day of Jeopardy, or whatever you call it, holds up one finger when he comes back. The next time, because he had won twice, he holds up two fingers. And the next time he holds up three fingers. However, he held up three fingers like, you know, against his chest, like it was a three pointer call out from an NBA player. Well, as you know, the OK symbol now, according to the mainstream media, is racist. I'm sure you're all familiar with the origin of the OK hand sign. 4chan made a joke that the OK sign meant white power. And for some reason, the establishment latched onto it. The reason is very obvious. They need racism to be pervasive and they need to be able to accuse you of racism because in many institutions, first of all, most people abhor racism. It's actually illegal to discriminate on the basis of race. So when an institution is accused of racism, and they have all of the stupidest, most innocuous things in the world to use, it works perfectly. Probably the biggest backfire 4chan could have ever experienced. Because think about it. Regular people who have no idea play the circle game. Regular people who have no idea make the okay hand gesture. And then you get canceled, you get fired, they come after the core of your business, and people cave. So now we have the story of this guy on Jeopardy. They're claiming that whether he knew it or not, it is a racist dog whistle and Jeopardy should have caught this. No, they shouldn't have because it's a fringe cult that believes nonsense and they're making this up. But there's a lot of them. The cult is growing every day and thus we are in a cold civil war. The idea is cultural institutions like Jeopardy, businesses, media must bend the knee to the cult. So what happens is 
You get a small group of people. They'll point out something nonsensical. The OK sign. The company will panic, not wanting to be racist, will cave and admit it. Let me give you a real scenario, a real scary circumstance you need to understand. I set up, uh, I, I was one of the organizers for an event in the Philadelphia area in a town called Pittman. And it was called, uh, it, was, it was an event about ending violence, racism, and authoritarianism because we're all classically liberals. Antifa called in what we understand to be a threat to burn down the theater. The media got wind of this and then said the event, the activists said the event was racist and white supremacist and all that things. They just print it. They just print the activists said, even though it wasn't true, because they want regular people to freak out and think that's what it is when they read the paper, because the accusation is all it takes. There's that famous line, I guess. Well, I'm not going to get into that famous line. There's like a presidential debate and the guy was going to accuse the other president of some really disgusting behavior and said, the accusation is all it takes. I want to hear him deny this disgusting behavior. So here's what happens now. I'm very careful about who we promote in terms of sponsorships. I've had people say, will you please promote my product? Maybe. I mean, maybe, uh, you, you know, talk to the, the sales rep, right? But look at it this way. Let's say there's a local business and they're like, I heard you got a big show. If the owner of that business is spineless and I promote their product and the left comes out and says, why are you having your product on this show? What happens then is the sponsor will make a blanket statement. We, we understand people are mad that Tim Pool is promoting our product. We in no way support racism or whatever. Now, of course, I didn't say anything racist. They will just issue that blanket statement. But then the media will come out and say something like, you know, uh, local business denounces Tim Pool's show over racist comments, something like that. Then it becomes canon whether or not you actually made the comments. This guy, Kelly Donahue over at Jeopardy, is playing a game, had no idea why. The OK symbol is not a white power hand gesture. It's just complete bunk BS. It only became such because the left said it was. Yeah, 4chan was trolling. They're now doing the two genders thing. That'll backfire great as well. So now this guy has apologized twice, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't. A letter was drafted by like 400 supposed former uh, uh, contestants of Jeopardy regarding the offensive terminology and gesture, because now they're saying not only did this man flash a, a white power hand gesture, but he also said a racial slur. That's right. They, they need everything to be racist so that they can force institutions to drop to their knees and adopt the religion. It happened to Vice. Let me explain something. I, I know I spoke with an executive, former executive at Vice. I have friends there. And I said, you know, these like vice got woke. And I have my theories as to why they did. I was told by a former high ranking individual that when the lawsuit started coming in about harassment, women being harassed, the investor said, listen, just be a feminist company. It's the easiest way to avoid these suits. So they said, yes. And there you go. That's the point. They accuse you of it. And then the people are like, just give in and be what they want. I don't care. I just want money. And then Vice became trash. Here's the story from The Hollywood Reporter. A Jeopardy winner's hand gesture from Tuesday night has sparked a protest by former contestants demanding an apology. Oh, a group of 467 purported former participants on the show posted an open letter on Medium on Wednesday 
accusing the syndicated game show's producers of failing to catch what they allege is a white power hand gesture. <laughs> oh, I love the timeline we're in. On Tuesday, when winner Kelly Donahue was introduced as having won three games, he held his thumb and forefinger together with his other three fingers extended and the palm facing inward and tapped his chest. Here's what it looked like. That is not the okay sign. That is not the okay hand gesture. It's not the meme. It's clearly a lie. They're just trying to use anything that could be plausibly to, to look. The main problem here is the regular people who don't pay attention, who believe this stuff. Stop giving in, you spineless cowards. Kelly Donahue didn't do anything wrong. Donahue countered on Facebook that the gesture was only meant to confirm he had won three games and noted he had previously flashed one and then two fingers. But when he did three fingers following his third win, he made a gesture similar to the OK symbol made by a right wing militia group called the three percenters that has also been co-opted by white power groups. The former contestant says the popular game show's producers should have former contestants. The producers should have recognized how the hand gesture could be interpreted and prevented it from ever being shown on the air. This gesture was not a clear cut symbol for the number three, the letter said. Regardless of Donahue's stated intent, the gesture is a racist dog whistle. Some of the first people to notice this were not affiliated with Jeopardy in any way. They were viewers who couldn't believe what they had seen, captured it on video and shared it on Twitter. Among them were people of color who, needless to say, are attuned to racist messaging and not appreciative that the show allowed this symbol to be broadcast. It was perceived by people across demographic boundaries as a wink and a nod by white men about their superiority. Leaving this messaging unchecked will encourage others to attempt similar things in the future. Is the production team of Jeopardy prepared for more of this? Prepared for more attempts to disguise contempt as innocent gesturing? Prepared for the backlash and ramifications should one of those moments ever become tied to real world violence. The letter also said that Donahue had responded to a clue with a term for the Roma that is considered a slur. It doesn't matter what you do. They will just accuse you of being racist. Now, a lot of people on the right like to show pictures of Obama flashing the OK hand sign. And I don't think I wonder if people realize that none of this matters they are just slowly crushing you and they control the cultural institutions. You know what I absolutely love about the culture war is that Republicans are more concerned about impressing the New York Times than they are their own constituents. So Republicans are often like, but what will the New York Times say about me? That's OK. New York liberals. Yeah, great. Aspire to be like them. Here's what they say. We know that contestants sign morals and ethics related agreements when they prepare, uh, prepare to appear on the show. And we would ask the production team to evaluate the situations within that framework. We really hope to see a statement and a disavowal of both of this week's events. And we would like to see Jeopardy address Kelly's behavior. Address his behavior? He didn't do anything. Doesn't matter, though. Mob justice reigns. Our institutions are being eroded from within. And... I think it's only a matter of time before our society is completely collapsed. How long until everyone just gets banned? How long until the big business interests realize China is safer? At least with the authoritarian government, you know what the rules are. They're going to say in a follow-up Facebook post, Donahue added Thursday, I'm truly horrified with what has been posted about me on social media. I absolutely unequivocally condemn white supremacy and racism of any kind. People who know me personally know that I'm not a racist, but for the public at large, it bears repeating. 
I am not a racist, and I reject and condemn white supremacy and all forms of. Up, 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 up. There it is. Confirmed. Ibram X. Kendi, as all of you know, said denying you're racist or white supremacist is proof that you are. So the only thing you can do is just admit that you are. Otherwise, denying it proves that you are. So you are no matter what. There you go. Kelly Donahue, you need to not apologize to these people. You need to flip them off because there is literally nothing you can do anyway. He says, I am not racist and I reject and condemn white supremacy in all forms of bigotry for the evil they are. It's shameful to me to think that anyone would try to use the stage of Jeopardy to advance or promote such a disgusting agenda. During the taping of my fourth episode, I was simply raising three fingers to mark my third win. There was nothing more I was trying to indicate. I deeply regret this terrible misunderstanding. I never meant to hurt a soul. And I assure you, I am no friend of racists or white supremacists. Kelly, I demand you apologize to me for denying your obvious white supremacy. It is time to self-flagellate and accept what you have done, bigot. There's no way out for you, dude. Kelly, there's no way out for, for you from this. And it's about time regular people woke up because too many spineless cowards have been sitting back saying, I'll be fine if I just keep my mouth shut. No, you won't. One day you'll fart and they'll be like, oh, but oh, farts are white supremacy. One day you'll be sitting in your living room and you'll have some, you know, some people will be over and the cat, the cat will sneeze and they'll be like, oh, your cat sneezed white supremacy. Whatever they can do to, to make the claim and they use this to freak you out. Not that regular people know or care or believe it, but look how scared Kelly is. Look at him grovel like a pathetic loser. Please, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I raised three fingers on TV. You know what I would do if it was me? And they'd be like, you, you showed three fingers. I'd be like, look, I don't believe you. I don't care. Have a nice day. That's about it. Look, if there was some like legitimate thing that was taken out of context, I'd be like, yeah, okay, well, whatever. But I learned a long time ago. There's no point. None whatsoever. When they come for you, they come for you. And if people aren't standing up to the mob, then we've lost. And this is what they do. They use this. They use this against people like Kelly Donahue so that he comes out and he begs, begs for acceptance, begs. I'm so sorry. And they want other people to see this. They want you to know that they own you, that they can destroy your life at a moment's notice. How much you want to bet this dude ends up losing his job or something? Why? It's really simple. What happens when you work for like a mid-level, uh, a mid-level accounting firm and your phones are ringing off the hook because one of your employees, you know, made the three pointer hand gesture in a local basketball game? How are you supposed to answer client phone calls? How is your business supposed to function when you're being harassed endlessly? And guess what? It's not illegal. This is where it gets scary for a lot of small businesses. When I was putting on that event in the Philly area, one of the businesses we had partnered with was having their phone ring off the hook. How can they run their business when they got to unplug their phone? No phone anymore. Change their phone number. Perhaps they'll find it. If one person calls a hundred times, you can claim harassment. If a hundred people call one time, you can't. Maybe if someone's directing it, but even then, someone, they, they, they don't just outright tell you to do things. They passively say, you know, I, I, I think people should stage a campaign against stuff like this. So your phone rings off the hook. People call and they lie. One of the phone calls that came in because it was shared with us was someone saying like, why are you supporting white supremacists? And they're like, we aren't. And the guy was like, well, some of the people who, which people? 
Well, I'm just saying, you know, I, I, where are you from, California? Why are you calling this East Coast establishment if you don't, if you're not a customer of us? And why should we care? Well, I, I saw online, I, you, you have no idea what you're talking about. Shut up. Have a good day. Bye. Stop bending the knee to these people. Kelly Donahue needs to come out and laugh and say, he's two apologies now. He needs to come out and just say, I don't care what you think. You're idiots. Bye bye. But you know what? Jeopardy will still kick him off the show because this is how the game is played. At the tweet from Andy No, probably because of this story, he says flashback. During the height of mass rioting by Black Lives Matter and Antifa in Portland last summer, Antifa incited more violence by saying a poster on the federal courthouse they were trying to burn down was white supremacist. It even prompted an investigation by the Oregon U.S. attorney who said we can confirm the poster spotted in a Hatfield courthouse window this evening is in fact a Portland Trailblazers poster. It's just a poster in basketball. When they score a three pointer, they hold up what appears to be similar to the OK hand gesture. Now, of course, they all know this. The left knows this. These people know this. They just want to freak people like Kelly Donahue out. They want him to panic and beg. And that's how they gain power. This is the war being fought right now. It's a cold civil war. But perhaps only in the sense that hot war violence is becoming archaic. Now, yes, they went around burning down buildings, but you see, they've taken over the cultural institutions. So what can you do about it? Of course, there's Sinclair Broadcast Group, which many say is conservative and controls more at the local level. The battle is on. The Jeopardy story may be silly, but it's part of a bigger picture. There was a woman who recently made a thread about how she ran a nonprofit, I think with her husband, and the woke tried infiltrating it. They hired some, some people they thought were regular people, and then all of a sudden started getting complaints about racism, about insensitivity, and no matter what they said or did, it was never enough. And then eventually became clear. They wanted the leadership to step down so they could take it over to do it right. Instead, I think, I, I could be getting it wrong, I think they just told the people to shut up, it's over, and then the woke eventually left, unable to wear the organization like a skin suit. There is a large growing cult in this country. It is a cult. I am not exaggerating. It is a cult. I call it a cult because it is. These are people who have tenets. They tell you, you must abide by this. They have priests. They have, they have speakers. They have a hierarchy. It's mostly informal. You could call it a non-theistic religion like Peter Bogosian does, but I believe it's just a cult. There's, there's a group of people they will, uh, apostates are worse than non-believers. It's all very much in line with the worst of the worst cults we've seen. Now they are sending their cult members to schools, to corporations, and they are gaining massive ground. Think about it. Chief diversity officer, even the military has been infected. I'm sorry. I, I think they've, they've secured enough space in this country to completely gut it and destroy it. And that's their plan. Going back to Occupy Wall Street, I remember talking to many of the organizers who said they want to destroy the system and then build a new one. And they want to be in charge of the new one. They don't care about prosperity. They don't care about justice. They just want power. They found a way to get it. And that's what they're going to do. They don't like the way we live. They don't like this country. They want to change it. And it's working. Only around, uh, I, I can't remember where this comes from, around 10% of the population needs to adopt a cult ideology 
an ideology in order for the entire country to change. And it's because most people don't do anything or when confronted, they cower. Kelly Donahue should have rejected this. He should have told them to shut their mouths. He should have said, you are silly, silly people, and I don't take you seriously. He then should have started working to fight against the insanity. Maybe he still will. For the time being, what he's doing, though, is groveling at the feet of cultists, a fringe minority in this country, though they're gaining power. It's, it's, it's really fascinating. I mean, when you see like Giuliani on the outs, like Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor leading New York through 9-11. He was like, for the longest time, the, the conspiracy people thought he was the deep state. They thought he was the conspiracy guy. Now he's being thrown to the wolves <clears throat> because it is an ideology that is taking over. They don't actually care about what they claim they're, they're talking about. They don't care about three fingers or OK signs. They believe that might makes right and that by simply having the power, they deserve to wield it. Now, there's some truth in that. First, we don't want to live that way. Classical liberalism, the foundation of this country, is the rights of the individual and a mix of free market economics and cooperation and things like that. But there is truth in the people who have the power get to determine what is acceptable in society. And that's something they've realized. So why do it the legitimate way? Why gain power legitimately and earn influence through merit and persuasion when they can just subvert the system? force people to their knees and take their jobs away. Now that they're in corporations and in government, they can ensure they get their laws passed. They can ensure that if you don't do as you're told, they'll take away your access to resources. Then you can't eat. Authoritarianism is here. It's going to get worse. It's in the FBI. When do you think it comes for you? It will. What can we do? Stand up and speak. Don't be like Kelly Donahue, apologizing and, and crying and you should come out and say, these are absurd lies. The people who are saying this are silly people who have made up some mishmash garbage that makes no sense. And I will not apologize for something I didn't do. Sorry. Instead, he comes out and says, I didn't mean to hurt anybody. I'm so sorry. Please accept me. Kelly, these people make up like 0.1% of, of, of the people, like the people who are tweeting at you. They're a, fra a, a minority fraction of the people who actually watch the show. But the cult is large and growing. And there are a lot of people who simply want to join in because, you know, safer, I guess, when they think this side's winning because they're willing to do whatever it takes to gain power. What a stupid story. But you need to understand the insidious nature of what this story represents. They are gaining power and subverting our institutions, and it's only a matter of time before they have all of them. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.